Welcome to the Irish NFL show and welcome to our week 10 talking points brought to you by Buskers on the Ball in Dublin's Temple Bar. You can check out Buskers on the Ball on Sunday evenings where they show a selection of live games and Red Zone every NFL weekend. Well, last weekend had a host of nail biters with some serious playoff implications. The Ravens were brought down to earth by the Browns. The Niners bounced back and ended the Jags five game winning streak in the process. Josh Dobbs produced yet more magic for the Vikings. CJ Stroud and the Texans somehow managed to top even their own Week 9 heroics by outdueling Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Uh, we start, though, this Tuesday, Brian, with uh, some semi-breaking news, or at least in the last couple of hours. Ken Dorsey, uh, offensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills, no longer he's been fired following that Monday night football loss to the Broncos. Um, I will put you on the spot. Is this justified, or is this your classic bit of scapegoating by GM to protect the head coach? I would go with the latter there, which is that they're looking for an escape route already to kind of find the narrative as to why things aren't going well for me. For me, okay, the offense wasn't at the level we've seen earlier in the season last night, certainly not last week in, in Cincinnati, but more so on the defense for me in terms of, and not necessarily last night, the game last night was a lot of turnovers, but it hasn't been the offense for large parts of the season, which has let them down as a defense. And you could put a lot of down to injuries and the lack of... Uh, the lack of quarterback pressure and the rushes and the sacks, it hasn't been at the level in which we probably saw at the early part of last season for the Bills. And I think it's a bit icy for them to let him go. I never felt things were right there. You know, I never felt they were really kind of bought into him ever since Brian Daniel moved on. When we saw the relationship which he had with a lot of the staff there and obviously brought a number of people with him. We saw the relationship he had with Josh Allen and we saw the, the, the I suppose, the un, unsatisfactory ending when Dable and McDermott got together at the end of that recent game when he already said it worked each other's sons. He's no lost there, but by and large, he looked like he was a very popular man. I never got the sense that Dorsey stepping into his shoes was was maybe the right answer or that he just didn't buy into him. But I certainly think he's not the reason why they're fighting for him. I think yeah. there's other yeah. factors. All that notwithstanding, Brian, yeah, I, I'd, I'd completely agree with you there. Mina Kimes sums it up from ESPN in, in, in a tweet here. Bill's offense through week 10, right? They're third in DVOA. First in success rate, third in EPA per play, fourth in QB rating, third in yards per play, second and third down conversion, and third in red zone efficiency. The thing that's killing them is they are the 32nd, literally the worst team in the league for turnovers, and Josh Allen leads the league in, in interceptions thrown. That's not on that's not on Ken Dorsey. He's not telling Josh Allen to throw the ball to the guy wearing the wrong jersey. No, but you also have to bear in mind, this is not just this season. You're thinking last season, there was games there last year. I mean, the Vikings game brings to mind that Madden with the crazy ending. He threw a number of interceptions in that game, including the overtime one. There was careless interceptions in New York last year against the Jets. Um, they lost that game. So it's a bit of a trend since they kind of moved on from a different offensive corner. Things haven't been as stable offensively and his turnover really has shot up. But... Like, the run game has been non-existent for the last two or three years, even under the previous regime for coaching. And yet, like, their best player this season, you know, he's outstanding for me as James Cook, and they didn't bring him into the game until mid-second quarter, and he had a really kind of productive game thereafter. His numbers were quite good for, for someone who kind of looked like he played the whole game. It, it was a strange move, but, yes, the stats, are, stats outweigh kind of why did they, the outweighed decision, I would say. Colin, we talked about this early on in the season. In fact, I think we talked about it from back as, as far as pre-season, how you were comfortable in the Bills, and I think we all were, given they've been effectively, to be fair to them, a model of consistency in terms of putting wins on the board in the regular season over the past couple of years. But there were those signs 
you know, Brian talked about, you know, since the departure of Dayball, how things haven't been quite right offensively. Leslie Frazier also kind of stepping away in slightly strange circumstances that just gave a little bit of a kind of a, a flag that, you know, the culture there might be something just slightly off behind the scenes there. And you're looking at the results on the field and going, I wonder, was there a little bit more to that? I think so. And to me, I mean, I think this is crazy. If if you want a comparison to what this is, this is Billy Zane in the Titanic. Uh, women and children to the boats and he, he throws them out of the way, grabs the child and hops on board. That is what Sean McDermott is doing because he knows uh, the, the ship is hitting an iceberg and he is desperately looking to save his skin. The problem, yeah, like the turnovers are an issue, but like, again, they James Cook gets stripped of the ball, then they leave him out, then he comes in. Then, you know, he has this kind of, was that on Allen or was that on him in the, the missed handoff? Um, then he has the Aussie rules bounce. Like it was a really weird game last night. And week one was really weird as well. But apart from that, they haven't been terrible. And like... But but it's it's gas column that the headlines are Dorsey sacked following Monday Night Football flop. You're going flop? Like you 12 guys on the team on, on the field on special teams and you literally blew the game because of that. Terrible penalty given away their defensive and special teams mistakes to kill them i i'm I, i'm the deep like last night was such a strange game and it was a weird bit up in the middle of the night watching it like because the defense is really good at times but what gets lost in this right by sean mcdermott doing this they had knocked the broncos out of field goal range uh right at the end uh by basically going all out blitz and then he, Sean McDermott did the exact same play again when there's no need to do it. And what does Russ do? Russ actually burns them that, that time around. It allows the Broncos to get in. And then you have 12 men on the, the field. So if they didn't have the 12 men, was Dorsey getting fired today? I don't believe so. So you're basically blaming Ken Dorsey for some really weird turnovers. Um, Because, I mean, the the Gabe Davis one where that hits his hands and goes to Justin Simmons. I mean, that's not on Josh Allen. That's not on Ken Dorsey. Gabe Davis should have caught that ball. I think that this is absolutely ridiculous that, um, you know, Ken Dorsey has been sacked. And uh, what's what's incredible is Ken Dorsey has been sacked, right? And you can look at the stats. I mean, his, his last five in comparison to Dable's last five, they're not that different. And it, this wasn't the start. This was Dable's last five when things were uh, kind of firing there. And I'm not saying it's, he, he clearly doesn't have the same sort of relationship with Josh Allen, but Nathaniel Hackett is still in, in a job. Yeah, and Matt Canada. Right, um, we've also had, Brian, uh, interesting to see uh, Trayvon Diggs, not Stefan Diggs, but Trayvon Diggs weighing in on it um, on, on Twitter saying uh, the brother Stefan should should be out of there and uh, pointing out slightly unkindly that Josh Allen didn't start going off until Stefan Diggs arrived in the building. Yeah, but like, I, if, well, what, can, what can we read into this? I mean, there's like Diggs, as in Stefan Diggs was clearly you know, disappointed at the end of the season last year over the manner of the, the Bengals loss. He was very clearly upset on the sideline. He was upset on Thanksgiving Day because he wasn't getting enough of the ball against the Lions. He was upset during the off-season training camp. They managed to kind of 
and that showed down by quickly announcing that the offense, sorry, that the GM and head coach had signed new contracts to distract from the Diggs thing. Then it wasn't a problem going into the season. I'm still not convinced it's it's fully resolved. And then the have his brother coming out comes that to me, it sounds like he's trying to do the work for Stefan Diggs, which essentially needs to ask for a trade, but now asking for a trade. Come the end of the season, he'll try and navigate a way out of Buffalo and go somewhere else. But we've seen with other players such as Tariq Hill, maybe not the same manner. It doesn't necessarily always mean you're going to have um, the best times elsewhere. Okay, Hill is fortunate he's gone to a team that's on the rise, so he's having a good season. But careful what you wish for, because the Bills are still a really strong contender. There'll be many a player and many a wide receiver who would like to be the same with Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is on the wrong side of this, because Josh Allen tends to keep his mouth shut and doesn't say that. Colin, another interesting situation potentially brewing in Carolina where the Athletic reporting today, and that's per uh, Diana Rossini on their Athletic football show, that um, Frank Reich might be under a little bit of pressure saying there's frustration at ownership level, no less, with Bryce Young's development or lack thereof, the offense looking sluggish and uh, an overall quote-unquote lack of effort. Ha, like, this is... I mean, this is unbelievable. Like, this is Dave, this is David Temper. This is a billionaire throwing uh, the the toys out of the pram. He wants instant success. He's the one who made the decision to move on from Steve Wilkes. He's the one who decided on Frank Reich. He's the one who decided he he put said to to Reich that he wanted to bring in a staff. Uh, you know, um, what uh, was it that uh, we had one of the Carolina beat reporters on? Uh, called it the Avengers, and that seems to be kind of the the talking point that they've been given. He wanted that. He wa- uh, wanted Bryce Young, and now it, it's not gone right. I mean, this is this is it, like he is even more meddlesome uh, than Jerry Jones, the man with two radio shows uh, during the week, and. He, while he is not in anywhere like Dan Schneider, who was a bad person as well as a bad owner, he is quickly becoming a terrible owner because he doesn't stop meddling. Um, and like when you're in like your what your your new QB, you've got your new head coach, um, you're putting pressure on already, and then you're pictured up making faces when things aren't going right. Like, how is this surprising? Like. You're the one who traded away your your wide receiver because you wanted the, this to happen. And he appears to think he can bend the NFL to his will. And he's about to find out he can't. And I think you can move on from Frank Reich, fine. You're still going to have the same roster. You're still going to have Bryce Young. And as we're seeing now, the limitations with Bryce Young because of his size. Could Bryce Young go on to be a very good QB? Of course he could. I don't think he's in the best situation. But it can't, like we're seeing what CJ Stroud and they're always going to have that comparison. I was just going to say, but I mean, the comparison is slightly unfair one because CJ Stroud has Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Dwight uh He's got Schultz. He's got he's got weapons around him that uh, that Bryce Young just didn't have because they traded away his best one in order to do the deal to get him there in the first place. As you point out rightly, Brian, you wanted to jump in with a quick point there before we move on. Yeah, I think ultimately it may not be actually uh, Frank Wright as the guy, the fall guy. It could be the GM Scott um, Federer because he ultimately is the one that did the deal essentially to get up to number one, select the quarterback. Now the selection of the quarterback is another. I just touched on there. It's another story down in the south over which one they took, but. He could be looking at that next year and ruin the fact that they've no number one pick. You know, it's all likely, it's in likelihood now they're going to end up being the number one team in the draft. But obviously, that 
pick goes to the Bears. And they won't be in a position to right the wrongs and try and potentially move on. Because we've seen it in the past with the Cards. They quickly moved on after a year and took the next quarterback at number one. It wouldn't surprise me if the Panthers were still there to go and take Caleb Williams next year. Obviously, that's not going to be the case. So maybe it'll be the GM that'll be the fall going in the end because he's quite been there for quite some time now. Maybe his tenure will come to an end. Column away from the, uh, the the contention for the for the number one overall pick um, at the loftier end of the league in the AFC North, the toughest division in football, trademark patent pending. Um, just when you thought things couldn't get any more dramatic, Steelers somehow managed to pull another win out of miraculous defensive play just when it seemed all was lost again. Um, again sorry, ninth game in a row. We made this point last week. The ninth game in a row now where the Steelers have been outgained and still managed to win. The overall record for teams that have been outgained in that capacity, basically they're losing five games for every one they win. Steelers win six and uh, and lose three. Ravens, of course, dropping a game which has helped them out. And um, the Browns then overturn or Browns then overturn that seventeen three deficit against the Ravens. They're very much back in the mix. Not that anybody was out of the mix, given that there was only a couple of games separating the entire division. And um, Bengals dropped one to the Texans, but. We've got two massive games now coming up this week, and I don't want to steal our thunder from our from our Thursday picks, but it's all the action happening there at the moment. Yeah, just uh, an incredible um, d- division, and and because it's a g- it defies so many uh, different things, and the Steelers, as you pointed out, and uh, magical Mike Tomlin, and the way they are going about it, and the the meme uh, which. People who are watching or listening to, I don't know if they've seen that, uh, the picture of uh, Tiger Woods and John Daly. And uh, Tiger is dressed in his uh, Sunday best. And uh, Daly is in one of his uh, more ridiculous garb, something like I'd wear uh, just on an average Tuesday. And uh, they're kind of pointing out uh, the 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 Steelers just seem to to be having fun and finding a way to to do it and ruining everybody else's uh, Sundays. Um, for the Ravens, to me, I really feel this was a case where they kind of they rightly were given uh, their flowers over the last couple of weeks. They jumped into an early lead, and I think they thought the the game was done. Um, plenty of people were pointing out uh, Deshaun Watson's kind of terrible start to to the game. I think the Ravens took their their foot off the the pedal, and that's a real issue because it it has been a recurring issue for them over the past not just this season, Connor, but past couple of seasons where they haven't been able to close, and that's a problem, especially when you get to January. They they dropped a lot of two possession games as well, and it, it, it's actually striking that uh, the Ravens have lost more in the last two years than, than 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 the Raiders managed to do. That cost Josh McDaniels his job. Now, obviously, there's no sense that that's anything like that's going to happen in Baltimore. And um, but there is something strange going on there when they play so hard and they can really, as we've seen, lay the wood on teams, and yet at the same time they can become complacent when they when they jump out to a lead as they did again over the weekend. Just maybe Brian back back to the Steelers before we, we move on to the other teams in, in that division. Really, really? Um, really? <laughs> but I, I just I just wonder watching them week on week and it you know it, it's it's a, it's a meme it's a joke it's a recurring theme. They, it, you you think either that it's completely unsustainable and they can't possibly go on doing this and yet if they keep doing it week on week, part of me wonders does the offense finally click into gear and then they become really dangerous. 
we haven't seen enough science to think, to think that's going to happen. Kind of like this opening two drives, you, you wonder where Green Bay's defense was because there was supposed to be this, this uh, area narrative that the run defense has been resolved and it's fixed this season with the essentially allowed the Steelers to go up and down the field on them for the first two drives for the 14 points. Thereafter, the Steelers couldn't do anything for the rest of the game. It was field goals for them, but ultimately their defenses or keeps them keeps them alive. I just don't think it's sustainable because they're going to come up against teams that can really put a point on and that's when you really need your, your offense to step up and put yourselves in these games where it's a 24-31 type of game, a 28-27, whatever the narrative scores. But I just don't think it's there. I don't think it's going to be there this Sunday either. I think Nate Browns will, I'll give me a pick now, Nate Browns will turn them over convincingly on Sunday. To those Browns though, Brian, um, Colin rightly said, Watson had a terrible start to the game. Towards the end though, he started to show Collection, connection with Elijah Moore, starting to get into it, starting to see some signs of the old flashes, even on broken plays. You were kind of wincing at times, thinking, oh, that this season's Deshaun gets sacked there or uh, or throws a bad pass. And, and yet he, he just showed flashes of what he can do. Um, and it was just enough in the end to get them over the line. Yeah, because bearing in mind they were down by such heavy scores at different various different times of the game, 24-9, 21-17. And he goes 14 of 14 in the second half. Not more than incomplete pass, but yet you didn't come away from the game saying, oh, that's the Sean Watson of all, that's the Sean Watson that got the contract. He had a good game. He threw for 213 yards, but still didn't do anything for me off the charts. Like, oh my God, that was the Sean Watson. But he had a much better second half. But ultimately, like, the Ravens' defense, was they were turned, they turned over 178 yards in rushing, and the Browns never got away from their own game throughout the game. Even when they were down by delays in the first half, they never... Never got away, but they kept going with, with Hunt and, and put her players forward as well. Like they just they, they never they just kept going, kept grinding it out. And is there a bit of complacency there? There was huge key plays in the game. The the um the blocked field goal before a half time by the Browns on Justin Tucker thought that he was he only took three points off that in terms of taking the ball over. I think that was a bit of a momentum swing. Obviously the interception late on kinda really turned it, but this thing of the Ravens not being able to close out games is a worry concern. And yet this interesting stat you saw today, the edge of the teams with the for the most games, you know, over the course of terms of how long they were leading. Three teams like the eighty four Dolphins were ten and 0. They were only they were only down for fourteen minutes in those ten games. The Broncos of nineteen ninety eight were ten and 0, and they were only down for twenty seven minutes. And the next team up, the Baltimore Ravens, two thousand twenty three, only losing for twenty eight minutes of their ten games so far this season. Broncos, or sorry, Broncos, the Ravens fans will 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 believe the genuine that they should be 10-0 because they've lost to the Colts, they've lost this game, and they lost to the game the name with the Steelers in a game where you caught you really kind of hit the hit the hammer on the head that in terms of they really should have closed that game out. Just finding ways to navigate games out when you don't get it get it over the line. But it's, it's I don't think it's as bad as it was last year. Last year was even more concerning. They did it so many times last year. But they, they easily could be on nine wins and almost out of sight in, in, in that division, which is crazy when you think about it, given how tight it is and how, how close the teams are and the games between them have been. Um, but that's that could have consequences down the line. You know, you talk about the number one seed and how vital that could be in the murderer's row, which is the which is the AFC. We've been saying it since day one. And um, that's a very, very coveted prize to have, you know, getting your guaranteed by for the first round, keeping that home field advantage ideally for the championship game could be decisive, as it pretty much has been for the Chiefs over the last couple of years. And um, Colm, 